You're listening to Inspired Edinburgh, a weekly interview show that brings you raw and powerful conversations with fascinating people from all walks of life. Our mission is to inspire and encourage you to reflect on your identity, beliefs, purpose and worldview. If you enjoy this, please subscribe for future episodes and feel free to contact us via any of our social media channels. Thank you in advance for taking the time to listen to the show and we hope you enjoy it. Welcome to Inspired Edinburgh, the home of powerful conversations. I'm Elliot Reeves and my guest today is Andrew Johnson. For over 20 years, Andrew has been helping people relax, change and create the lives they want through a range of self-care MP3 downloads, apps and workshops. Your work has motivated and empowered people across the world and helped them to cope with stress, overcome anxiety or fears, break habits and achieve their full potential. With over 11 million downloads to date, your recordings are the best-selling self-help recordings on Apple and Android app stores. Through workshops, you use techniques such as relaxation therapy, stress management, clinical hypnotherapy, meditation and mindfulness, which allow people to successfully regain control and achieve positive outcomes in their work, home and personal life. <laughs> Andrew, it's absolutely fantastic to have well, you here. Thanks, Elliot. What an honour. <laughs> Looking forward to this. Likewise, likewise. Uh, I mean, your 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 bio says it all, really. Eleven million downloads. Uh, yes. <laughs> it seems strange, but we we've been in the app store. Well, many years with MP3s, of course. Mm -hmm. But the app, the apps, the, the the change from MP3s to apps was just took us to a different level. Really? Yeah. It, yeah. it really did. It was transformational for the business. Hmm. We sort of fell into it, so it was great. Yeah, excellent. I look forward to getting to getting fully into that with you. Um, in the beginning, I mean, if we can kind of go back to Andrew's early life, you yep. know, where you grew up, and I suppose what that experience was like for you. Well, um, no great excitement here. I was born <laughs> and brought up in Glasgow on the south side in Kings Park, not far from Hamden. Mm -hmm. um, very pleasant childhood, great fun, great friends. Um, not, I have to say, not hugely academic at school. <laughs> um, and in the, the late 70s, mid to late 70s, as a family, we moved from Glasgow down to Ayrshire, mm -hmm. down to Ayr. And uh, this was my father uh, moving businesses down there, moving business premises down to Ayrshire. So we okay. moved as a family down there. And um, I spent, I guess, 30 years or so in Ayrshire, in Ayr and Troon, and doing a variety of different jobs, and found hypnotherapy in my mid-30s. Right. Finally found what I wanted to do <laughs> in my mid-30s. There's, there's, there's time for everyone out there. Yeah, yeah. And, and so what, what sort of things were you doing prior to that then? I mean, what had been your kind of work experience? Oh, Anything and everything. Uh -huh. I never went into university. I started work in a surveyor's office. Didn't last too long there. <laughs> worked in the bank. Worked in the family business. My the, the family business at that point was book wholesaling for a variety of publishers. Really? So uh, I had access to every book in the world and never had to pay for one. Um, I was <laughs> repping 
for my, my father's company for a number of years. Mm -hmm. Worked for an airline, worked for uh, a finance company uh, for Ford and Lloyd's Bowmaker. Um, had a couple of episodes of short-term self-employment <laughs> with... Uh, Oh, no, maybe I shouldn't go into that, but yeah, a couple of a, a couple of dabbles in self-employment that really didn't feel right mm -hmm. or didn't work out for one reason or another. So I never really had a, a, a defined career path, mm -hmm. um, as I say, but a, a series of coincidences led me into doing what I do now. Yeah, yeah. And, and so what was the, you know, when you found hypnotherapy, how did you know that was the thing for you? Well... If I go back to my mid-teens in Glasgow, that was about the time when there was a show on, you're probably too young, but there was a show on called Kung Fu, okay. David Carradine. This was on the back of the, the Bruce Lee craze, you know, Enter the Dragon and, and all that. And this American show was on, and just about everyone I knew wanted to learn martial arts. <laughs> and I went along to a class in south side of Glasgow, and for about three months, did some karate training. And it never really hit home with me, but the, it, towards the end of the class, this teacher would do five or 10 minutes of meditation. Uh, and while all my friends were sitting there giggling, I was thinking, this is actually quite good. So that was, that was at the age of 15, 16. Mm -hmm. And I had always had an interest in positive mental attitude. My father had given me books or recommended books when I was in my teens. The classic, the real classics of positive mental attitude, uh, Think and Grow Rich, How to Win Friends and Influence People, The, 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 the Magic of Thinking Big. Okay. Great books of their time yeah. in the 20s and 30s, the Dale Carnegie's. And, mm -hmm. um, and I just found it fascinating. And I sort of kept up a, a, a real, very sort of, not a childish meditation practice, but I really didn't know what I was doing. Okay. I never really formalised it, but I knew I was enjoying it and it was making a difference. Mm -hmm. um, and I knew that I liked the power of the mind and how it influenced us. Um, and then in my mid-30s, at a change of... Um, a change in uh, sort of career and a change in lifestyle and things like that. And I went to see a hypnotherapist. And uh, <laughs> we did one session and something just went click. And I thought, right, this is something I need to investigate. So I spent, I guess I spent about three or four months investigating training organisations found what I considered to be the best, which is the London College of Clinical Hypnosis. They had a Glasgow branch that were training people on a 14-month course mm -hmm. at Caledonian University. So I went, was interviewed for it, found out how much it was going to cost, <laughs> found out the, 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 the investment I needed to make in my time and money, and uh, just decided to go for it. And... From the first moment of the first day, I thought, this is it. <laughs> this is it. I've found what I want to do. And within six months of doing the course, I was already seeing clients for the basic stuff. 
stress management, relaxation, stopping smoking. Nothing much deeper than that, mm -hmm. because I hadn't been trained in that yet, but I'd learnt the basics. And uh, I, think, I, I think before the end of the 14 months, I was just so involved in it. I had, I had uh, quit my job, company car went back, <laughs> leased my flat, moved into a little self-contained flat in air, started advertising, and that was 95, 94, 95, something like that. Yeah. So 22 years, Jeez. like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the people close to you, the people round about you, I mean, did they see a, a change or a transformation in you? I don't know. I, I've never... I've never asked them, but I think, I think from a career point of view, mm -hmm. I was always envious of people who knew what they wanted to do mm. and were obviously loving it. Yeah. Um, and it, it really, it changed me, I think, because it gave me a focus and something I knew I could, I could give, not give my life to, but I could work towards becoming better and better and better. Mm -hmm. And I knew there's really no limit to what you can learn. Because okay. as you teach people, I'm also learning. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm, I'm growing at the same time. Yeah. And there's been a few big hiccups, but, <laughs> you know, we're, we're getting there. <laughs> you spoke a bit earlier about when you originally started, um, you were dealing with things like uh, quitting smoking and mm. such without going deeper. So when you mm. say going deeper, what are some of the deeper things that you, you started to then deal with? Well, hypnotherapy is actually quite gentle, but it can be quite powerful at dealing with unconscious patterns. Mm -hmm. So intrusive thoughts, negativity, um, phobias. Um, in many ways, we can deal with things like pain control, so you can work with people to train them how to take the edge off their pain. Sometimes reduce it quite a lot. And in odd occasions, you can actually help them remove it or, or they are removing it themselves. Yes. Uh -huh. um, there's also childhood issues and regression that you can do. So there are a lot of things that just require a bit deeper knowledge, a bit more study, a bit more specialism. Um, but any hypnotherapist starting off focuses on things like stopping smoking. Stopping smoking is, I'm not saying it's relatively simple, but it's a black and white issue. People stop or they don't. Mm -hmm. And when people stop smoking, they tend to talk about it. So they're very good adverts. So once you see one smoker, you start to see another smoker, and another two smokers, another five smokers. And then eventually you start getting, shall I say, the more interesting cases. Okay. So it's it's a it's a it's it's quite a natural progression into that sort of thing. It takes a, it takes quite a bit of time before people start to come and see you for issues that are a lot deeper. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Your work now obviously is is changed quite a bit from yeah. the early stuff. I mean, obviously there's there's ties to it, but you now have um, a meditative and, and mindfulness element to the mm. work that you do. I mean, what has been sort of the journey then since when you began originally to, to now? Well, um, let me think. 
when, when you do a session of hypnotherapy, what you're really doing is inducing a deeply relaxed state in someone. And in order to reduce, uh, to, to induce a deep relaxed state in someone who is A, perhaps dealing with anxiety in normal everyday life, and B, is anxious because they're about to be hypnotized, you really develop ways of helping just about everyone into this eyes closed relaxed state. Mm -hmm. Now, in that state, in hypnotherapy we call it trance, but in that state, if you don't talk to someone, you can call it mindfulness because they're just aware of their physical presence and mm -hmm. they've got their eyes closed. Mm -hmm. It's also called meditation. So the actual physical state of being in a hypnotic trance is almost identical to meditation and mindfulness. So it's a natural progression to teach those techniques. Okay. Um, and so what happens is that what happened to me was that I started seeing one-to-one -one clients um, and I had asked one of the lecturers at uh, Caledonian University what was the best thing they had ever done for their career and they said you need to go and volunteer somewhere go and volunteer that's what will stretch you so I, I volunteered quite quickly with a cancer support centre in here and um, they gladly took on me as a as a therapist doing volunteer work. I think it was I think it was half a day a week. That was all. Mm -hmm. But I was really thrown in at the deep end with people wanting help with a, a huge variety of issues. And from that, I started training little groups of people at the cancer support centre in relaxation and coping skills. And from that led on to quite a, a, a well-rounded day's training, which I have sort of developed and tweaked over the years and have delivered to the corporate market. Okay. Um, and it, it was just a natural progression. There was no thought process behind it. It just, it just took on a form and, 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 and grew in that direction. Mm -hmm. And by the time I was doing talks and, and, and radio interviews and whatever down in Ayrshire. By the time I was doing five, six, seven, eight years of this, people were starting to come to me and say, can you do this and can you do this? Mm -hmm. So it was, it, it just, it just took my business in a slightly different direction. Mm -hmm. it, what's really interesting is that when you started, I mean, there probably was no internet and no, very, just very, very early into very that. early and now i mean it's such a presumably a major part of the work that you yes. do is reaching people through apps and and, yeah. and such um tell me a bit about about that process and, and how how that became a part of what you were doing well as a hypnotherapist when you're seeing people on a one-to-one -one basis you can have quite a busy week but still a lot of spare time and I'm a bit of a geek and an, or a nerd. I can't remember which it is. Maybe both. <laughs> Maybe both. But I was very early into computers and very early into the internet. And I had friends that were starting to do little websites, the mid-90s. And I thought, why not? 
I remember designing my first web page on Front Page Express, which was a free right. software um, uh, platform that came with Microsoft on Windows 95. Uh, and having great fun at it, but never really thinking it would go anywhere. But again, that developed into another website. It developed into a more professional website. I started seeing people emailing me. Um, when you see one-to-one -one clients, you give them a recording to take away, okay. to give them a little pat on the back. Um, and I started off with cassettes. In fact, I started off with cassettes that were copied from one of my lecturers with her blessing. And then quickly moved into burning my own CDs when CD drives became readily available mm -hmm. to having a pretty good six months of business and investing in uh, sort of mass-produced CDs, a thousand of each title, just wow. as MP3 started to take off. <laughs> so I'm sure I've still got CDs sitting somewhere. Uh, and again, just thinking, why not? Started digitising the recordings I had, maybe only having four or five titles putting them on the internet and, you know, two weeks later you get a sale. Wow, this is great. Um, <laughs> so I was selling CDs and MP3s from the site, but never really doing anything about it, never having the budget or the knowledge to really push it. Mm -hmm. So I've always had those recordings. And I was always getting great feedback from them. I knew they were really popular. Um, and when the Apple iPhone came out, in America, I was sort of jumping up and down in this country going, I want one, I want one. <laughs> and I got some, and when Steve Jobs announced the App Store, again, I was jumping up and down in this country thinking, wow, I could, I wonder if I could get some of my recordings on as, as an app. Mm -hmm. Didn't know anyone that was doing it. And I think even before the App Store was open in this country, because I think it was six months before it, when it launched in America and then the App Store opened in the UK, mm -hmm. uh, six months later, I think. In between that time, uh, as I'm jumping up and down in Ayrshire, thinking apps, 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 this chap, Michael, who's a lawyer, reached out to me, sent me an email and said, I'm a lawyer. I used to do apps for the Pan Pilot. Ah. My wife and I love your Deep Sleep CD that we bought from you a number of years back. I think this would make a good app. Hmm. And I remember seeing this email coming in and thinking I should take my time before I answer this. And then about 10 seconds later, <laughs> answering it, we spoke on Skype, we had a good chat and uh, we got on really well. We decided to release one app, and one became two, and two became three, and three became four. And it went from me thinking, wow, if this, if we do sales like this every day for a month, I could have quite a nice night out once a month. And then it became, wow, this is, this is getting quite interesting. This is getting really interesting. <laughs> and Mike and I worked together, I think, for about a year and a half without meeting, without having a contract. It was, and it wasn't even a handshake because we were, he's in Seattle and I'm in Ayrshire. And one thing led to another and we ended up with 20, 
apps. And it, again, it was an organic growth. <laughs> um, and it, uh, as I said earlier, it just it just transformed the business completely. Yeah. Uh -huh. Took me in a completely different direction. Uh, and it's been a it's been a hell of a ride. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I was just thinking in my head, you know, to, to what degree has it changed your life? Um, positively and negatively. It, it's been a strange thing. Um, I, I, think, I, I think I'm quite a private person and it, it's funny, and I don't, I don't want this to sound ridiculous, but there are times that people think I'm someone different than who I am. Does that okay. make sense? It's just... Just simply because we've had that volume of sales. Yeah. Um, it also the app success led me to stop seeing one-to-one -one clients, and I think after sort of seventeen years of seeing one-to-one -one clients, I think I'd done enough in that. Mm -hmm. But I also stopped the corporate work, um, and I think that was a, a mistake for me because the, uh, I thought I could make a difference to how the apps were doing. In actual fact, they were just. They were just going themselves. Mm -hmm. I could have gone off to a desert island for five years. They would have still have sold. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I've learned a lot in these years. I've learned more recording techniques. I've learned new techniques okay. to do the recordings. And I've also immersed myself in the sort of social media side of things mm -hmm. um, and connecting with customers that, who want to connect to me. So I've learned a huge amount in that. Uh, and that has been really exciting. Yeah. Uh, so that's a different. When you see a one-to-one -one client, and generally you see them for one session, for one hour, and forty minutes of that they're sitting with their eyes closed, and then they go. Then, and you're bound by client confidentiality. Mm. Then they're away, and any therapist who does sort of deep work with folk will tell you that they need a sort of a switch off where you're dealing with someone who's gone through some sort of trauma, they tell you a story that would curl your hair, you do the best you can with them, and off they go, and you need to go and switch off from that. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's been really nice with the apps having a deeper conversation about what's going on with people who use them. Mm -hmm. It's a difference of therapeutic relationship. Um, so I'm flattered when anyone who's been using an app reaches out on Facebook or Twitter or, or, or LinkedIn and says hello and I like this, and, and that's great. So I really, I really nurture that audience. I really like it. Hmm. That's great. Mm. Why do you think they are so popular? Mm. I think there's a few, there's a few factors. I think. I think they're well coded, and I think the recordings are, well, it's me that's doing them, so they are very good. <laughs> but I think when I record something, I get into a state where I'm nice and relaxed. And it also feels to me when I'm recording as if I'm speaking just to one person. That's mm -hmm. how I like to think of it. And so a lot of people say that they're quite intimate, if that makes sense in that sense. Yeah, but in the sense that it feels as though you're speaking directly to them. Correct. <laughs> yeah. Um, I also 
I also don't like the the audios to be too well edited. I think it takes the humanity out of it. Okay. Um, so there's, you know, you can hear me uh, taking a deeper breath or relaxing myself. I'll also pause when I'm thinking about things. Um, so there, I think there is that authenticity in them. Mm -hmm. um, and thirdly, I think also timing. I mean, we were really early in the app store. <laughs> and folk have said to me 10 years later, when the, we started, I think there was 20,000 20, apps, maybe 26,000 apps in the app store when we started, and there's 2.6 million now. Mm -hmm. Would your apps be successful if you launched them now? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just grateful for the, the, the way it's gone. Mm -hmm. And uh, as I say, we've had ups and downs with them. But um, yeah, so it's a, a fact, it's those three factors. It's, it's good coding, good recordings, for those purposes, and also the fact that we were in at the right time. Yeah. I saw the opportunity, and very much like the hypnotherapy and the corporate work, it was never really to do, to make a great deal of money. It was just to see it, to try it, to see what's going to happen, mm. and off it went. Mm. It had a life of its own. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. What is your own... Um, meditation practice and, and how do you get into um, the right state to do your recordings? Um, that's a good question. I think when you've been doing meditation and relaxation and mindfulness for long enough, it just becomes part of you and you don't really notice when you're doing it unless you set a specific time aside. Um, a lot of the work that I'm doing with myself at the moment with mindfulness is based on what Eckhart Tolle teaches. Mm. I think he's hugely influential, incredibly um, authentic. Yeah. He really walks the walk and talks the talk. Um, and a lot of the techniques he uses, I will use. And the, a lot of that can be... Uh, before an interview, <laughs> or it can be for getting to sleep at night, or it can simply be just for the sake of doing meditation and allowing what's going to come up to come up, to boost your creativity and to quiet down the conscious mind, which is the one that says, don't be an idiot, that's never going to work. Folk are going to find out you're a fraud. <laughs> They're going to find out. And when you quiet that negative mind, which... Uh, I've got a loud conscious mind. Uh, when you can quiet that down uh, and, and when it starts running away with itself, that's when I will go, go into meditation. And when you practice something for long enough, you don't you lose the technique. It just, as I say, it just becomes part of you. You don't realize you're doing it. You just have an intention to relax or an intention to meditate and down you go. It, 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 it really does integrate itself within you really? as long as you allow it, as long as you give yourself time to practice. Okay. But, but it's not guided meditation that you do? Not for myself. No. No, no. I, um, guided meditation is a hugely powerful thing to do, but um, th there, are a, there are a few things that people get confused about with guided meditation. Firstly, 
a lot of people think that guided meditation or creative visualization, which is another name for it, is just purely pictures. That you should be able to create pictures in your mind. And a lot of people don't do that. A lot of people are more auditory. Um, when I was going through my training and we did creative visualization and uh, things like that, I was listening to people in the, in the uni, in university saying, oh, I was in a cloud and I was this and I was that and I was back on a beach or I was imagining a house and I was thinking, I didn't get anything like that. How strange. And it never really clicked in with me that there was just, a, it was just a different process for me. Mm. Um, about three years ago, uh, a professor in Exeter named this issue of being mentally in our mind blind. Mm. It's called aphantasia. And all of a sudden, all these people are coming out the woodwork saying, oh, I can't create pictures in my mind. So when I close my eyes, I don't get pictures at all. Nothing. Zero. And that seems strange for a lot of people who, when they close their eyes, see full Technicolor movies. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but that, to me, would seem very strange and very intrusive. So I don't do that. And I think it's important for people when they're, when they're listening to something that does creative, that's a visualization for a specific purpose that one person's visualization that relaxes them is another person's, I don't, I, I don't mean nightmare, but <laughs> if I do a visualization to a group and it's, it's a beach scene and the heat of the sun and the sound of the waves and the smell of the coconut oil and the feel of the sand and all those things, you would think that that would be very relaxing for a lot of people. And it is, but there will be a small percentage of folk who hate that <laughs> imagery mm -hmm. and those ideas and that heat. They'd prefer to be in the snow or they'd prefer to be somewhere else. So when you're doing any form of inner visualization or sensualization work, it should really be your stuff. And because I'm not visual, I don't do that. It's all about the internal feeling of the body and switching off. And as you quiet your conscious mind, then you get in touch with the computer. And that's when you start becoming really creative. That's when you can access deep resources. Mm -hmm. um, but the difficulty is that you can't try to do that. You've got to allow it to happen. You've got to be in the flow. We talked about that mm -hmm. earlier. You've yeah. got to be in that moment with no agenda, and then it comes up. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I mean, I think a lot of people, when they think of, and, and I'm, I'm sure you can kind of... Um, Kind of validate this when they think about meditation they think about the feeling of just our oneness with the universe yes um, a kind of collective consciousness um yeah and a feeling of connectedness i mean is that something that you you can access as well at times yeah yeah at times you your mind wanders and the secret is to notice it wandering and not give it any energy one way or the other mm, yeah and just to bring yourself back to the breathing um, and there are times that you get a feeling of a feeling of intense energy and a feeling of connectiveness. But as soon as you notice it and you try to change it, it's away. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a funny thing. You've got to be there and notice it and go, ooh, and not do anything about it hmm. and just let it happen. Yeah. Um, and that can happen at any point. 
That can be 30 seconds into a meditation or two hours into a meditation. Or it can be just walking down the street. You get that feeling because your, your conscious mind has just disappeared. Mm. And you've accessed something else. And um, there are dozens of words of what that thing is that you've accessed. Um, and uh, it could be one of any one of those or all of them. Yeah. <laughs> Eckhart, who you mentioned, um, speaks a lot about the ego. Yes. Um, and, and his description of ego is one of my favourites. He says, ego is identification with thought. Mm -hmm. what, what's your kind of view on ego and how do you manage your ego perhaps in, in relation to the success that you've had? Um, I, I've got lots of good friends who just give me a kick in the ass. <laughs> um, I also, it, it's a funny thing because I don't really know how to explain it. I, I don't, I've had people say that I have got an ego and, and perhaps I have and, but I like to think it's because I'm, I'm very proud of what I've done mm -hmm. um, and proud of the recordings. I have certain issues in life where hmm, I don't know which way to go what's, uh, uh, and what's right and what's wrong. And I think that makes me a good therapist because I, I can see both sides of an argument. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I can sit in the fence way too long. And that, I really do think, makes me a, a good therapist. I understand what it's like to have phobic response or negative um, inner thoughts yeah. and things like that. I understand many of those issues. But the one thing that I am completely committed to and I have no problem with making a decision with is my, my work. So I will be wishy-washy with certain things and quite undecisive. And then someone will say about my work, you should do this recording. And I'll say, no, this is how you do it. <laughs> and I quite like that because, yeah. but that's, that's 22 years of doing it. Mm -hmm. um, and I think the other thing is that when you do something and you love it and you, re it, you really ingrain yourself in it and you learn everything and you work with clients and clients and clients and clients and clients, the more you do, the more natural it seems. And the more natural it seems, the easier it seems. Mm. And then as you start to feel that it's really easy, you forget how much you've learned. And it's after not seeing clients for a number of years in the corporate world and not seeing corporate clients for a number of years, I actually forgot how much I had learned. Mm. And so you go into a... a a, a, a new environment, a new corporate environment, and, and you start talking and and they say, oh, how do you teach this or how do you teach that? And I go, well, it's this, this, and this. And they go, wow, how do you know that? <laughs> and my answer to that is, how do, how do you not know that? Yeah. Because you've forgotten, you see, if, does that, if that makes uh -huh. sense. And I think <laughs> this is the same with an awful lot of people who are in one career path. They mm. forget how far they've come. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Good answer. <laughs> you're you're currently developing. I think it's Holistrio is how yes. you pronounce it. Tell yeah. me about that and 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 your plans for it. Well, we had. I talked earlier about some hiccups with the apps. Um, I think we had released about twenty individual apps, all for specific subjects, 
<clears throat> what I would call the general subjects, confidence in smoking and um, social phobia and things like that. And um, they go through a process with Apple where they, they're evaluated and either they're accepted or rejected. And if they're rejected, you tweak something and you send it back in. And uh, I think after our 20th app, Apple reached out to Mike uh, and said, no more, <laughs> no more individual apps. Um, because <laughs> they wanted the apps to be using the iPhone and all its complexities. And we were really just doing a lovely recording with a choice of background music and choose to wake or choose to sleep and really no more than that. You don't need GPS coordinates when you're closing your eyes and falling asleep. <laughs> you don't need social media interaction mm -hmm. or anything like yeah. that. Um, and so we questioned Apple with the understanding that if they said no twice, that was it. We don't, don't push them. Uh, and so we went into building what has been our most successful app called Relax Plus, which is what I call a library app. It's a free app and it has a choice of in-app purchases. Got you, yeah. And people can download that and listen to one or two or three together and choose background music and whatever. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> but the difficulty came with that because we thought all we'll do is keep putting in new topics. When you're in a library app and you have new topics going in all the time, they're not as searchable as an individual app. So we were doing new topics and finding we were getting a little blip of sales, but nothing more than that. Mm -hmm. And we were starting to develop recordings that were a bit more long tail, so nail biting and uh, teeth grinding and all wow. very valid. And, and potentially a huge audience when people can search for that. Mm -hmm. But when they're built in and as, as an in-app purchase, they don't have the same... Less searchable, yeah. Searchable. Uh -huh. um, we had also been following the stratospheric success of Headspace, <laughs> which is just <laughs> wonderful. Oh. Headspace <laughs> is incredible and really has changed the landscape for meditation and mindfulness with the amount of users they have. Mm -hmm. um, and we knew because of the individual app issue and the Relax Plus issue that we needed to do something else. And so we've spent the last year, maybe a year and a half, developing a subscription model. And w there was two ways we could do it. We could look for investment and then really push it. Mm -hmm or decide to do it ourselves without that, and it would take a longer time. And rightly or wrongly, we've, we've taken the second option. Um, so we're beta testing the apps at the moment. Um, Mike is unfeasibly busy over in Seattle doing all that stuff. Mm -hmm. I've, done a, I've done a huge amount of recordings, and when we launch, we'll see how it goes, we'll tweak it, and then I'll go into phase two of the recordings, dependent on what people are looking for. Yeah. Because I've, I've literally got as many recordings as there are grains of sand, literally, really? with the, the amount of subjects that people are asking for. Wow. So this enables us really for the first time to start promoting specific issues and recordings and point people towards the website where they can sign up and download the app. And whether they keep it for a month or whether they continue to subscribe, 
hopefully we'll find some sort of balance that keeps people interested in the, in the app. Oh. We're also starting for the first time uh, phase two of the app, which will be maybe the middle of next year, hopefully sooner, as we'll start doing live meditations and relaxations. Maybe once a fortnight, maybe once a month, depending on the demand. Hugely exciting. So we, we haven't really released anything new for about three or four years now. Mm. And uh, so this is hugely exciting for us. Yeah. <laughs> so when you say live, is that like a webinar style or would that be yeah. like a Skype call one-to-one? -one no, this will be to anyone who's a subscriber who wants to join in at a specific time and mm. I will do a, a meditation or some mindfulness or a relaxation or I'll just take questions and, and give answers. And we'll just, this is what I'm really excited about. We're going to let it again grow relatively organically. Uh, we know that we don't have all the answers about what people want and need. Mm. So we're looking for that great feedback. And we are so fortunate that we've got what we call our warm audience mm. out there who are looking forward to the new app and who are big fans, but they will tell us if something's not right. And that will guide our journey in, in building this over the next two, three, five, ten years. Yeah. And, and how do you think this will change things for you? Um, it's, it, it, it will probably change things in, in more ways than I think of at the moment. Hmm. Um, the App Store, I said earlier that I, I stopped doing a lot of the work I was doing to concentrate on the apps, thinking I could make a difference. Mm -hmm. And in actual fact, I couldn't, because mm -hmm. the app store is just, it's like a self-enclosed marketplace. And we know how many apps have been downloaded, and we know the geographical regions that these apps are downloaded in, but we don't know the individual users, because you don't get their email addresses. Yeah. Um, and we don't know how many people are using multiple apps or how often they use them although there are things that we can do to build in to find that out so we can't really measure with the existing apps cause and effect we've had over the last nine ten years we've had two or three huge spikes in sales that both Mike and I have no idea or didn't have at the time what's caused this mm -hmm. we've got no idea with a subscription app we're going to be able to point people at a website first to sign up for a subscription. They, mm -hmm. they will be able to do it within the native apps as well. But that gives us the opportunity for the first time to try and do some serious marketing to put this in front of people. Mm -hmm. um, and I think we're going to need a team. And I think that team has yet to be found. Mm -hmm. um, and again, I think it will happen organically when we launch. Um, so it's going to be exciting. <laughs> it's going to be really exciting. It's, it is going to change things hugely. Yeah. Um, we're in a very fortunate position that we do have this warm audience and they're looking for new products and they've been very loyal over the years. Um, so who knows? <laughs> We're going to toss the coin at the end of the year and see where we go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is incredibly exciting. It is. Yeah. In, in fact, if I talk about it too much, I need to go home and lie in a dark room to stop myself. <laughs> because the, the coding side of things, the development of it, is over there, across the pond. Yeah. And you just can't 
you can't speed it up. It's, it is what it is. Mm -hmm. So, but when I speak to people at meetups and uh, here, they all say the same story. It's going to be three months, but it turns out to be nine months. They all say the same thing. <laughs> so that's fine. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> I'll just keep meditating. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's a good solution. <laughs> I'd like to uh, to kind of switch gears a little bit at this stage. Right. And uh, I'm, I'm going to ask you a few of the kind of larger, kind of big philosophical uh, oh, questions, right. okay. which I have to say I really enjoy and I'm, I'm seriously looking forward to hearing your thoughts. The first one, um, which was, uh, I suppose, inspired the show in many respects, is around about purpose right. and life purpose. It's just something that kind of fascinates me. Um, and I, I love hearing people's thoughts on it. In, in, in terms of your own life, what do you feel is your purpose? Hmm. Well, um, I, I, I think I discovered a number of years ago that that I wasn't teaching anything new to anyone. I think there are people in my industry that, people who are authors and write books, and they're constantly rewriting or writing new books for new audiences. And sometimes it's the same audience. And that's not the way that I do things. That's not the way that I work. It became clear to me that I, if I have a purpose, it's to introduce this inner world, whether it's stress management or relaxation or meditation or mindfulness or coping skills, it's to introduce this inner world to people who have never done it before. Mm -hmm. To teach them the basics and the foundations. And when you can do that, they will develop and find their own path of going onwards. There are too many people in the meditation business, in my view, that, that, that their imagery is all about some beautiful person sitting cross-legged on a rock in Hawaii. And I think okay. while that is completely valid, and you know, I, I love all that stuff, I think there's a lot of people who could benefit hugely from learning these techniques that look at that imagery and think, that's not me. Mm -hmm. I can't even sit cross-legged on the floor, never mind on a rock in Hawaii. And I, so a lot of the stuff that I've done from a corporate point of view is take people who have had no experience in any eyes-closed work at all and take them through this sequence of little techniques that does three things. I think I do three things pretty well in those days when I do a day's training with, these, with people. Number one, they've got to have a convincer. They've got to feel that when they do these techniques, these simple techniques, that something has changed within them, that they feel different, even if it's just a release of tension and physical relaxation. Secondly, they've got to be convinced that it's them that's doing it. Mm. It's very easy for folk to do a day's training and think, God, that was great, but... It was him that made us do that. Yeah. And that's not the case. Folk can't relax until, unless they're able to do it. I'm just good at guiding them there. Hmm. And I know all the answers to the questions because I've seen thousands of clients. Hmm. And thirdly, I've got to make it inspirational enough that they recognize the benefits of taking those little techniques and using them on a daily basis so it becomes a preventative move. 
So they're building coping skills and resilience within themselves. Mm-hmm. And that, when you can do all three of those things, and then you see a certain section of the people really flying with those techniques mm-hmm. and sleeping better and looking after themselves better and eating healthier and perhaps dabbling in deeper meditation or mindfulness, then I think that's my purpose. Mm. It's that introduction to this world mm-hmm. that is a bit woo-woo for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah, so, so I suppose making it more accessible for people. Making it more accessible, uh, no bullshit meditation. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's, that's really what it is. If you strip away everything. I mean, I, I'm, because of the industry I'm in, I've, I've done other training, like emotion, the emotional freedom techniques, and I've, I, I've trained in all three levels of Reiki. And I did that for my own benefit of balancing out. Again, it's just a lovely thing. It's a lovely gift to give yourself. Mm. And very much like the meditation and the mindfulness, there are a lot of people that train people in um, EFT and in Reiki, but they put their own slant on it. So they do you know, chanting and journal work and mirror work and deep this and deep that. And it just stops the people who really need it yeah. entering that world. Um, so yeah, if, if I had a purpose, it would be that one. Excellent. Bit long-winded, but there we go. Oh, it's a great answer. No, no, absolutely. Absolutely. What do you think you would like your legacy to be? Um, I, I don't know. Uh, the, the, it's a funny thing. The, it's a funny thing develop, moving from something where you see people on a one-to-one basis mm-hmm. to selling a digital product that theoretically will outlast me. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I can see many things changing in technology over the next year, never mind the next 10 or 20 years. Mm -hmm. But perhaps with these core recordings, what what probably won't change is the actual recordings, what will change is how they're delivered. Yeah. Um, We're also living in a world nowadays where there's more stress rather than less. Hence the, the huge success of things like these apps and the, the Headspace app and Calm and all these amazing um, uh, resources that people can use. But the very nature of the technology that's delivering is also causing problems. We're unable to switch off. We're, you know, I'm speaking for myself here as well. We go to bed and the, the iPhone's next to the, the, the bed. Um, and so that in itself is causing a lot of issues. Um, so I would like to think about a legacy, about just people continuing to use these recordings and benefiting from them. Mm-hmm. Um, our best-selling recording is Deep Sleep. Very much like I was talking about earlier with stopping smoking, it's a black or white issue. People sleep or they don't. Yeah. And the app is really simplistic that it guides people into a deep sleep or into physical relaxation, quietening the mind, and eventually they, it just moves over and into sleep. And for that, when I, when I get an email from someone and they say that they haven't slept well for five years or ten years, and all of a sudden they've downloaded a two-pound app, and they're now sleeping well, and their life has just transformed because they've had a good night's sleep, 
that's fantastic. And if that can carry on, my goodness, I'd be delighted. Mm -hmm. I'd be really delighted. Mm -hmm. for, for many people, um, they probably only know you as a kind of soothing Scottish baritone voice. Um, if you could speak to them uh, and tell them something about you that they might not know, what would you tell them? I would say I have the, I, I have the same difficulties in life that everyone has. Um, people say to me, oh, this industry you're in, I can't believe you get angry or I can't believe you get stressed or I can't believe you get jealous or I can't believe you get sad or depressed. Mm -hmm. And that's just life. That's just life. Um, these things happen and you can't deny them. I think the tools that I have learned means that I can sometimes, most of the time, come out of those things much quicker. There are people in my industry that, that do the old, well, I, I never get angry anymore, and yeah. I never feel this and I never feel that. And you think, <laughs> one day they're just going to pop. <laughs> so, uh, you know, uh, I, uh, one of the favourite things I say when I, I tweet a lot of the time on Facebook is that I teach most what I need to learn. Hmm. And uh, it is, a, it is a, a constant learning for me. Uh, and there's been some uh, there's been some ups and downs, but it's been a great journey. So yeah, that's yeah. that's what I would say. <laughs> what are you most grateful for in life? Friends, uh, family, mm. um, relatively decent health, <laughs> uh, sense of humour, huge, mm -hmm. huge. Um, most grateful for uh, family and health of family. Yeah. Mm -hmm. hmm. um, somebody who's influenced me enormously and, and who I consider to be one of the greats in personal development is Jim Rohn. Mm -hmm. And Jim talks about the idea of having a, a kind of overarching life philosophy. Mm -hmm. Do you have a, a life philosophy? And if, and if you do, how would you categorise it? What would you say would was your life philosophy? I don't think I've got a life philosophy. Really? I think it changes from day to day. Okay. Um, I, I, I think, and we, we talked about this before we started filming, I, I think a real gift is to find something that you don't regard as work and do it for a living. Mm. I don't think I work for a living, hmm. although I work hard when I am working hard. Um, follow your bliss. Yeah. One of the, 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 the turning points for me was before I found hypnotherapy, but, but I knew that I wanted to do something like this. I was reading as many books as I could find on the mind and on spirituality. Mm -hmm. um, Celestine Prophecy, I started off on, in the Course in Miracles, which I, I I'm still struggling with 26, seven, eight years later. Um, and all the classic Anthony Robbins and things like that, Wayne Dyer mm -hmm. and Marianne Williamson. Mm -hmm. And I had some posters up in my wall that I had just printed off on my very old computer. And I was thinking, what do I want to do with my life? Where can it go? And I was reading all these books and I had a quote by Mark Twain on the wall and it said the secret to success is to make your vacation your vocation and I kept looking at it and thinking well 
oh, what does that really mean? And it suddenly became clear when I had that first, very first session of hypnotherapy. This is what I do for fun. I, I read about the mind, I practice meditation, and all of a sudden it just, the, the, the lights came on. So, uh, yes, follow your bliss. If you're lucky enough to know what it is, mm. follow your bliss. Just go for it. That's such a great Mark Twain quote. I've never heard that one. I hope that's right. I hope, that, I hope my <laughs> memory's so, right. So I'm sure it is. Yeah. I'm sure it is. <laughs> great stuff. What does success look like for you? How do you define success? Um, James Taylor has a song that says, the secret, uh, the secret of life is enjoying the passage of time. And I think that's it. It's just enjoying every moment or trying to. Uh, Realising we're here for a limited time, uh, following your bliss. Um, material things come and go. Mm -hmm. uh, it's lovely to have them. There's, a, there's another lovely quote that I absolutely love. Desire everything and need nothing. And I, 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 I haven't worked that out completely yet, but, you know, I really desire a Harley Davidson, I really desire a Bentley, and I really want a beautiful big house. But yeah. I think I don't need them to be happy. I think, yeah. I'd like to think I don't need them to be happy. Mm -hmm. Time will tell. <laughs> yeah, no, I really like that. Desire I, everything, need nothing. Uh -huh. It's a subtle thing, but when you get it, it means a lot to me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What's the best piece of advice you've ever received? I think it was what I was talking about earlier. It was about giving. Um, the, the lecturer who said to me the best thing that I did was go and volunteer oh. for the subject that you are training in. Ayrshire Cancer Support um, changed me as a therapist completely, completely, because people were coming in with no agenda and I was just saying, what, what do you want? And they were saying, this is, these are my issues. And I was going, bloody hell, right, right. And we had the luxury of the time to do it. So that changed me completely as a therapist. And, and that led, within Ayrshire Cancer Support, that led from me doing some volunteer work to them as a charity, financing two of their counsellors to do hypnotherapy training. And in fact, they get a bursary. They get it paid by um, the LCCH to do it for free. And, and th those, I believe those hypnotherapists are still working there. Um, and that, for me, was transformational. Mm -hmm. It really was. Rather than sitting and waiting for the phone to ring, it meant I was doing my apprenticeship with people who really, really needed it. And the more, I, the more that I gave, the more I learned. And it was, it was a hugely important thing that I did. Mm -hmm. I, I don't mean that I did. It was a hugely important part of my training. Yeah. And, and uh, that was the best bit of advice. Really? For, from a career point of view, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. This is a, a question that I kind of randomly thought of um, when I was walking one day listening to the audiobook of uh, Robert Greene's Mastery. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> if you could master any skill or habit, what would it be? It would be quietening the conscious mind. Yeah. In the times that I've done it, 
And as I said earlier, I've got a very active conscious mind. Because I don't see pictures, the voices mm. that I have in my head are, are loud. They are really loud. Um, I don't mean it's uh, some psychotic, well, maybe a psychotic <laughs> voice, who knows? But quietening that mind, mm -hmm. quieting that monkey mind um, is a habit that is hugely beneficial massively beneficial. Mindfulness is great at that. Mm -hmm. Eckhart Tolle is great at that. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And learning a technique that, that fits well with you, that you can practice and enjoy and allow it just to flow, when you can quieten that, that negative, critical, always on the go mind, you can access some amazing stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's, that's what I'd, I'd really love to master. Yeah, yeah, but I also know that there are there are probably monks up at the top of the Himalayas who have been doing ten hours of meditation a day for forty years and still haven't quietened the mind. Absolutely, so, you know, precisely. Yeah. It's not the destination; it's the journey that's important. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. I was just thinking, you know, how how on earth do you go about mastering that? That is quite. That would be a good one, though. It would be great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A lot of people do it with alcohol. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Um, who or what inspires you? Uh, anyone who seems to be really authentic with their message. Mm -hmm. Eckhart Tolle, definitely. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Mm -hmm. There's, uh, I don't know if you know Kyle Cease. C-E-A-S-E. In the last year, I've just seen more and more of him. He's an American. He was a comedian and a very successful stand-up comedian but he's transformed strangely into a life coach. Right. But he is obviously incredibly good at what he does. He's got a great stage presence and a great energy about him. Mm -hmm. But it's the first person I've seen who will sit in front of a video camera, unscripted, and will just talk completely authentically. Mm. He will admit that his mind's wandering. He will admit he doesn't know the answers. He will be emotionally open, and that is hugely refreshing, hugely. Mm -hmm. um, again, a lot of people look at these so-called gurus, and they go, I can never attain that. Look how perfect they are. And you look at someone like Kyle Cease, and you think, wow, he's, he's just fantastic. Um, yeah, him and Eckhart, I think, are... are and in fact, I, I just saw the other day, I saw a photograph of both of them together. I'm sure it was both of them together. So they're working in the same circles. Mm -hmm. Wayne Dyer was hugely inspirational. Yeah. Uh, I was lucky enough to see him live in Glasgow. Oh, really? Marianne Williamson. Um, uh, uh, there's a lot of good folk out there. Yeah. But certainly anyone that shows that vulnerability and that authenticity uh -huh. and, and that human side. Mm. It's, it's hugely important for me. Definitely, mm. yeah. You've achieved, uh, I mean, a level of mastery in the, the audio that you produce. Yes. Um, in, you know, understanding um, the, the power of the use of words, for mm -hmm. example, and the tone of voice required. Yeah. I mean, what has it taken in order for you to, to achieve that? It, just lots of practice. And, and, and try, not, not so much trial and error, but... The, the training course that I did was, uh, is now, I think it's now 18 months. I think it was 14 months when we did it. And that's two days a month. But intensive days, 
mm-hmm. with 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 mentoring in between once a month. And I was lucky enough when I was doing that training course to have two people that were also doing it from Ayrshire. And we met, I think it was every Wednesday night, every week, for three or four hours, and we just worked and worked and worked. And we had a bit of a laugh with it, but we had we 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 just worked and worked and worked and practiced the scripts and did it ourselves. There's no doubt that I have a good accent and a good voice for this subject. That's mm. just the luck of the draw. That's just the luck of the draw. And there's no doubt that the Scottish accent and the soft West Coast Scottish accent is um, relatively well accepted and liked in North America and Australia and New Zealand and, and throughout the English-speaking world. That's just the way it is. But... When you start reading scripts and you've done some really, really good training and you start working with clients, what you're doing is you're pacing your words to their behaviour, their breathing and their relaxation, the depth of their trance. And so what you learn to do is you learn to pace with them. And so when they're not relaxing as quickly as you think, you slow it down and you slow it down. And eventually you get to a pacing and a wording and a tonality, if that's the right word, Mm -hmm that works for the vast majority of people. Mm. So I've never had anyone that I've seen on a one-to-one basis that hasn't gone into some level of relaxation or trance or meditative state. Mm -hmm. Of course, if they don't want to, they don't do it. (laughs) You can't make anyone do it, but um, it's it's just years and years of practice and, and doing it and seeing what works and what works quickly and what doesn't work and using the right words and keeping it simple, keeping it really simple. Mm-hmm. The unconscious mind, for most people, knows the answers. Um, there's no need to dig too deeply. There's no need to, to, to uh, in many cases, go back to childhood or go back to the original trauma or anything like that. Sometimes with people who have got long-established habitual behaviours or emotional difficulties, sometimes in a perfect situation you can do one session and you can help someone into some deep trance and then you can say to the unconscious mind are you willing to fix this and it will signal yes or no and if it signals mm-hmm. yes and you say are you willing to fix this now without any other negative side effects without anything else going on there's obviously more to it than that mm-hmm. but you can just ask questions of the unconscious mind and sometimes it just goes yes 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 mm-hmm. and they go out the door and things just have changed completely yeah. Now, that's still relatively rare, but that's the power of the unconscious mind. It's just, it's finding that switch. It's like some people, it, there are people out there who will smoke 20 or 30 fags a day, and they'll do that for 20 or 30 years, and they go to bed one night, and they wake up in the morning, and they go, I don't want to smoke anymore. <laughs> and somehow, in some unconscious process, the mind's just gone click, and they don't know how they've done it. Mm-hmm. So that's what... That's what, when you can access the unconscious mind and you can find the switch, and a lot of the times it's much simpler than you think, when you can find that switch that switches off something or switches on something, it's hugely powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Looking ahead, um, what are some of your uh, aspirations or, or kind of life goals? What are the things that you really want to achieve? Um, well, I'm getting on a bit. Suddenly. Suddenly I'm not 30 or 40 or 50 anymore. <laughs> um, I, I would like to see Hillistrio become 
successful. What that looks like at the moment, I don't know. How many people we get, I don't know. But I'd like to see that happening. Um, I would like to become a bit more involved in uh, perhaps seeing clients again on a, on a limited basis. Um, and apart from that, I don't really know. I'll just see what the coming days and weeks and months bring. Hmm. Uh, it's it's going to be an exciting journey. But uh, we've we've got the large firework there. We're just about to light it and see what happens. Yeah, it's going to be good. <laughs> Great. <laughs> if you had the opportunity to speak to your twenty-year-old self, what would you say? I would say. Stop eating so many hamburgers. I would say look after yourself more. Mm -hmm. I would say don't worry, uh, it's going to be all right. Uh, I would say, for God's sake, do better with your money. Buy a house. I would say uh, it's very tempting to know that there's a nice career path coming up. Just don't do anything about it now, because if you do it now, you won't have had the life experience hmm. that makes you into the person 15 years from now that makes you theoretically a good therapist. Because it's that life experience, you've got to understand yeah, how exactly. people work. The ups and downs and the lefts and the rights and the black and the white and the yin and the yang. You've got to understand, as it, or at least you've got to be in some way empathetic to that sort of human nature. Mm -hmm. um, and as much as I look back and think, my God, how good would it have been if I'd started at 20? There's no way that I could have had that experience. So all the things I did previously were leading up to that. Um, so I think it would be a reassurance to say it's all right. Uh, you, you know, just keep going. Hmm. Love that. Really good. If you could change anything in the world, what would it be and why? Anything. Anything at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say get rid of Trump, but... <laughs> but um, I, I would like to see more. I think if people were more authentic and transparent, certainly in politics, mm -hmm. it would shake the system to the core, and I think we would, we would see a huge difference. We would see a massive difference, I think. Um, yeah, I think that's about it. I, I would like mm -hmm. to see more honesty and transparency mm -hmm. uh, in myself and other people in politics, because um, we have this amazing, we have this amazing place that we live on, and it's getting shafted very quickly. <laughs> yeah. Something needs to be done. Something needs to break. Something mm -hmm. needs to be shifted. Um, so, and also, uh, as a big fan of Elon Musk, um, I like the term, we all need to be a bit more musky. <laughs> we all need to think like that man and say, you know, mm -hmm. it doesn't matter how big the project and how big the challenge is. We're, we're, we're good enough in this, in this planet to do it. We can do these things. Mm -hmm. um, so yes, be a bit more musky. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I've, I've patented that phrase. I like it. Yeah, yeah. I might use it though. You should. <laughs> yeah. I'll credit you. 
Thank you. <laughs> I'm sure someone's done it. <laughs> yeah. Andrew, it's been absolutely fantastic speaking with you. Oof, um, thanks. I, I've really Elliot. loved it. It's been great. Um, yeah, just your story is incredibly inspirational. Um, everything that you've achieved, and, and I think there's, there's so much in what you've said that, that people can take away. So thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Elliot. It's been an absolute pleasure. I hope I've done you justice. You certainly have. <laughs> it seemed like one of the great things about being relaxed is it seems, I don't know how long that was, but it seems like 30 seconds. <laughs> and when something, you've done something like this, and it's, it seems like 30 seconds, it's been hugely enjoyable. So thank you. You're absolutely welcome. You've made it a really easy process. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much. And uh, I wish you all the best with Holistrio uh, and, and the future work that you do. And I, I look forward to seeing it. Thanks very much. It's a pleasure. Andrew, cheers. You've been listening to Inspired Edinburgh. If you enjoyed this, please subscribe for more powerful conversations. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show and we'll see you at the next episode.